Um, Ryan, I hope the lighting's okay. I'm going to try not to move too much. I know when I, I'm down here, I'm understanding that there's some lighting issues. may even be hard for y'all to see a little bit. The light's good right here as far as on my notes and stuff, but I like to get down a little closer to you guys. The, the alternative would be y'all all move up here in the front three rows, and I could, I could teach from there. That would be awesome. Everybody move, move forward. But yeah, not everybody, I've got some Baptists and some th quarter Baptists and three-quarter Baptists and... You know, that, that so y'all are all over the place. I get it. I understand. So that's okay. But with our live streaming, so there's some struggles sometimes with the lighting and stuff. So I'm going to try not to move too much. They're working on it. They're going to, we'll try to come up with a plan. All right, well, I'm going to pick up where we, we kind of got started with this part of the lesson last week. This The, the anatomy, uh, anatomy, there we go again. The autonomy, see, I, it, I, I make the mistake, I make the same mistake again. Autonomy of the local church. And that's a, that's a, that's one of the distinctives of being Baptist. The Baptist distinctives, the first one was the B, the biblical authority and the lordship of Christ. The A is the autonomy of the local church. And so that's what we, we launched into this. And I'm going to just read this again. Each local Baptist church is independent and sovereign in and of itself. So when we talk about, you know, are we Southern Baptists or we're Baptists, okay? So we associate, we are, we associate, we, we have chosen to associate with the Southern Baptists. We're in an association with them. We're networked with them in that way. But they don't, they don't, they don't do anything here but take our money. That's really all they do. We give money to the, the, the local association. We do ministry locally. We give money to the Florida Baptists. They do ministry in Florida. We give, then the money we give to the Florida Baptists goes up to the Southern Baptists. They use it for the International Mission Board and for the Southern Baptist missionaries. That's how that money's divided. So when we give money to those things, we're, we're part of co-oping together. That, that's basically what we're doing. But understand this. We're an independent church. We are an affiliated church, but we're an independent church. Nobody, nobody is calling up and saying, all right, now what did y'all do on Sunday? All right, well, y'all need to make sure you fix this and correct that, and I want to see this program done. There's nobody overseeing except when the Lord makes that phone call and says, all right, boy, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, John, Raymond, Conrad, what are y'all doing? What are you doing with your son? What are y'all doing? The, the Lord is, and we're, that's what we're going to get into. Um, Baptists believe that the government of a local church is controlled by the principles of the Lordship of Christ. This is, these are some of the blanks here. Principles of the Lordship of Christ, the authority of the Scriptures, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and the priesthood of all believers. That is, each local church is a self-contained body. So we're sovereign and cannot be controlled by any outside denomination, board, hierarchical system, church, or person. There's no one who is above our church other than the Lord Jesus Christ. We are autonomous out here. Okay? That's a distinctive of being Baptist. Now, people today still do not understand that. Southern Baptists do not even understand that. And, and sometimes I, 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 I hear it's almost, well, listen, I was in a church when I first got saved. I was in a Southern Baptist church in, in uh, Nice, Georgia, in Nice. And I remember they, there were some in that church who took what the Southern Baptist said more important than what the Scripture said. And I, I, even as a young person, I realized that ain't right. That, I don't care what the Southern Baptist says. If, it, if it's contradictory to 
what the scriptures say. We're, go, we're going to follow what the Bible says. I don't care what anything else says. Uh, I'm the opposite of, I know what the Bible says, but. I'm like, well, I know what the SBC says, or I know what this says, but. The scriptures say this, and that's what we're going to hold to. So what constitutes a Baptist church? A good definition of a Baptist church would be this. A local New Testament Baptist church is a body of believers baptized by immersion immersion upon a public and credible profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, recognizing two church offices, pastors and deacons, sovereign and polity, and, and united together for the purposes of Bible teaching, Christian work, worship of God, uh, observance of the church ordinances, baptism and communion, and the adva- advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think it's a pretty good definition of, of what a Baptist church would be like. You know, it's so important to... Go ahead. Pastors or elders. Pastors and elders, it's all the same. It's the same, yeah. The, uh, all through, all the, the Episcopos, Presbyteros, uh, what's the other word? Um, all of those words are really mean the same leaders in the church. A good, uh, good characterization, a Baptist church equals a New Testament church. Now, we've got to go back to what we talked about when we first started this. There are, there are so many different kinds of Baptists. There are Baptist churches that are they're, they're, um, binos. They're binos. They're Baptist in name only. You know, like, like rhinos, and you know, the rhinos, they're, they're, they're Republicans in name only. You know, we had a lot of them. Um, there are a lot of these Baptist churches that are binos. They're Baptist in name only. I, why they're Baptist, I don't know. I mean, they don't follow any of the Baptists. I mean, there's so many of them. They're so liberal now. I, I, well, I think it's satanic. I think it really is. So it pollutes... It pollutes other Baptists. You know, oh, if that's a Baptist, I don't want to be that, that kind of thing. Um, but when talking about a Baptist church, we're talking about a New Testament church. Recall from Lesson 1 that a well-informed Baptist would understand that Baptistic-type churches may be traced back to the time of Jesus and his apostles. And that, that is to say this, that in, in every century from the New Testament era until today, there have been churches that have held, held to more or less to the essential New Testament beliefs and principles that most present-day Baptists espouse, even though they were not identified by the name Baptist until the 17th century. So when you, when you look back on it, not everything comes out of the, 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 the church, the church of Rome. Not everything was that. You know, even when that was going on, there were churches outside of that. There have always been churches outside of that. The apostles went all over the known world at that time. There were churches that were planted. And so there were New Testament churches. We take the name Baptist today. But you could call us the New Testament, New Testament Church of Geneva. I mean, that's our goal is to follow the scriptures and to do, to do church the way the scriptures said then. So the idea is this. A Baptist church today, really you take any church, any part of the world at any time for the last 2,000 years, if they're truly trying to do church according to the scriptures I think it would look a lot like what we're doing today. Now, we're not going to sit in chairs with AC and power and those different things. But the way the polity of the church, the way the structure, the way the church functions, it would be very much 
it would be very much like the Baptist acronym that we're using. And so that's what, that's what we're looking at. So when we talk about tracing, we're not saying, oh, we're, 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 you know, we're like the, the, the great, 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 grand church of a church that Paul started, you know, in the first century. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about there have always been those churches that are non-affiliated. They didn't come out of this line or that line or break off of here or reform from there. We weren't part of that. They were churches that have always been independent of that. This is what we mean when we say that Baptist churches are the New Testament churches of today. Does this mean that Christian churches are not Baptist, um, that are not Baptist or not blessed by God? It's not at all what we're saying. Churches that do not closely follow the pattern of the New Testament as Baptists seek to do, uh, as the Baptists seek to do, are blessed by God in accordance with their conformity to New Testament teaching. Now, it's so easy today, and we're seeing it today, the slide away from scriptural teaching, from away from scriptural authority. Now, is God blessing those churches? I don't believe He's blessing them one bit. When churches compromise on, on, the, on the issues, really any biblical issue, if it's, a, if it's a clear biblical issue, how can I say it? All right, if it, is a, if it is a question of sin, if it's a question of right and wrong, and they go wrong, homosexuality, the whole transgender issue, women pastors... Those are issues that today we're seeing more and more and more churches are sliding in those areas. They're compromising those areas. And what they're doing is they're going away from scriptural authority. Now, how can you, you say, oh, well, God's blessing us. Now, things might be going well for you. Maybe have some money coming in. I don't know. I don't know what maybe, but God's not blessing that. It's like, it's like me saying, you know, God's blessing my preaching, but y'all don't know about the Thursday nights I spend in the hotel room with a prostitute, right? And that stuff, that's not going on, okay? Just so you <laughs> I'm not confessing something here. But that, had, that kind of stuff has happened where, where a pastor is having an affair with somebody maybe in the church and then act like God's still going to use them, still going to bless them. I'm telling you, I think I've got enough integrity, but you know what? Well, integrity goes out the window when you get into sin. I think I have enough integrity. If I fail that way, I would just resign. I wouldn't make a bit, I wouldn't, I'd just resign. I'd just quit. And we go try to fix the marriage or whatever. These guys that want to go on and on and on and on, they're walking in sin. But that's not just for preachers, folks. You go out on the job cussing like a sailor. Living just like the world. But then come in and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, I'm good. And, and, and think that God's blessing your life or, or going to bless your life when you're walking in open, unrepentant sin. That's different. It's different. You slammed your, door, your, the, your, your hand in the door. I don't know how you respond. You may, you may shout. You may, you may say something you shouldn't have said. You know, God will forgive that. But, but the heart is, is that what you do all the time? And you're not broken about it. You're not broken about the sin in your life that put Christ on the cross. And you just continue to live in open, unconfessed, unrepentant sin. God ain't going to bless that. And he ain't blessing a church that's doing that. 
So the churches we see today that are sliding and compromising, God's not blessing them as churches. Yeah. Okay. Trying to use a little wisdom. Um, so when we say that Baptist churches are New Testament churches, that does not imply any judgment about non-Baptist churches. It only implies that Baptist churches seek to adhere as closely as possible to the beliefs and practices of the early church as described in the New Testament. You know, one of the other denominations, now I know their polity is a lot different than ours, but um, uh, Alliance. Y'all familiar with Alliance Church? There's, there's probably one everywhere, and they, they use different names now, so they don't always use Alliance in their names a lot, like, like the, some of the Baptists. How many of you are familiar with the Alliance Church? They're great. I'm going to tell you, if you took their doctrinal statements and their practices and the way they did, they're, 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 they're so close to Baptists. One of the things that they, if I, if I understand this right, and remember, because I had a long conversation about this, so we're talking about healings, the gift of healing, you know, that, that you could pray for someone and they'd be healed. Well, we got to talking about it. Well, they don't believe that I have the gift of healing. You know, they don't, they don't believe that. They believe that, that anointing with oil if God laid it, if God impressed on my heart, then I could anoint Gina with oil and, and the prayer of faith could heal her. You know what we Baptists believe? I don't know about y'all. I believe the same thing. I don't believe I have to use oil, but I believe, I believe absolutely God could impress on my heart to pray for Bob about, about something. Absolutely could impress on me and I pray for Bob and, and God could heal him. And, it, and it's not that it was about me, it's about God, but God said, I'm going to work through people. And this is, and what, so, so what, I'm say, what I'm saying there is you got this Alliance Church, except the problem with the Alliance Church now, as I understand it, they have just recently, ooh, I forgot about that. They've just recently, I think, kind of, I shouldn't say it out loud, but I think they've gone, I think with the homosexual, allowing homosexual pastors or something, or either, or even women preacher. Maybe it's the women preachers issue. One of the guys we've been candidating, vetting, Todd knows about this. One of the candidates we've been vetting, he was in Alliance Church, and they've recently, I'm pretty confident, pulled out of the Alliance Church because of that issue, whatever it was. So let me rephrase that. Up until here recently, they were very much in line with, with where we would be. So there's a lot of churches that functionally... And even you get even in the Baptist groups, you would you would take you can take an independent Baptist, a Southern Baptist, and you could take some other Baptist over here, and doctrinally will be absolutely the same, absolutely the same doctrine. Where the difference comes in is in philosophy of ministry. So, maybe a church wants to be King James only. If you make that that you got to get saved out of a King James Bible, I got an issue with that. But if you want a standard that we preach and teach out of the King James Bible, I have no problem with that. If they want to have that standard as a church. If they make it legalistic, well, if you didn't get saved out of that, then you got a problem, right? You see the difference? So you're talking about philosophy. That's a philosophy of ministry. We want to have one version. Let me tell you, there's, there's some good in that. I was teaching one time out in Arizona. Well, I was actually visiting my buddy in Arizona. He's teaching. He spent more time talking about the different things, translations, 
And there were about six different, six or seven different translations represented in, in his congregation. As he's teaching Sunday school, he spent more time trying to explain what this word here is. You, what's your Bible say? Oh, yours says that, and yours says this, and yours says So there's all this. It was confusing. Instead of having everybody in one verse. So there's some, there's some smarts to that. Um, another philosophy, the way we do missions. So philosophy of ministry. We collectively give money to the local association. We give it to Florida Baptist. Internet, and, and, and all that then goes to do church planning in North America. It goes to do church planning uh, around the world. International mission boards supported through that. Independent Baptist churches don't give money that way. They bring in a missionary like... Uh, Cammy, they vet her. They say, well, you know what? We like what she's doing. We want to support her. They vote as a church like we did, and they support her. And, they, and so they support. So then they would go around to all these different churches and raise their support. And that's what Cammy has to do. That's what, that's what our new tribes folks always had to do, right? You got to go to different churches to raise support. They weren't part of Southern Baptist, so they don't get to just get approved and, or your full-time missionary will give you a paycheck and send you out and do the work. You raise your support. That's a philosophy of ministry. I don't know that you can prove with Scripture that one is right and one is wrong. But there's, there are benefits to both and there are drawbacks to both. But it's philosophy of ministry. So when we're talking about this as, as Baptists, I, I think the Baptists are the right or the most right. But there are other churches out there that are, you know, don't just think, well, they're not Baptist. You've got to look at what they believe and how they practice it. Man, okay? All that said for that. Um, Christ. So good, we looked at first the good, a good characterization was that a Baptist church is equals the New Testament church. Second thing there, the second bullet point is Christ. And Christ is the only head. He's the only head in this church. I'm not the head of this church. I've had people, you know, people, we get to pastors together and they go, well, where's your church? And I go, well, I don't have one. Aren't you a pastor? Yeah, well, I don't have a church. It's not my church. I'm just... The church has, has voted to allow, they've agreed to allow me to pastor. They've called me to shepherd the church. But it's not my church. This is not Conrad Westbrook's church. It ain't Raymond Harrison and John Egger's church. It ain't the elder council's church. It ain't the elders and deacons together's church. It's, it's everybody. If you're a member of this church, you're an equal part of this. Right? We're all, this is our church. And Christ is the head. And I wanna, so we want to understand, He is the head. He is the head. Colossians 1.18. And He is the head of the body, the church. Speaking of Christ, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. He is preeminent in all. Christ is preeminent. He is first in everything. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Christ is the head of the church. He is the head of the church. So once again, in following the example of the New Testament, um, Baptist churches recognize no other head than Jesus Christ. We recognize no other head than Jesus Christ. Pastors 
also called elders and bishops in the New Testament, are the biblical human leaders of a local church. That's the model God set up. That's how it was established in the New Testament. However, Baptists recognize that pastors serve only as under-shepherds. So I am, I am the under-shepherd. I am an under-shepherd of the Lord. The Lord is the head. He is the shepherd of our church. Now, I've been called... And, 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 and you want the responsibility? Go pastor a church. You want the burden? Go pastor a church. You, you, want, you, want the, you want to stand before God and give account of everything you say and do? We're all, we're all going to do that. We're all going to do that. But myself and Raymond and John in this church, we, we carry a burden that you don't carry. I was talking with my, one of the guys. We went, I had a chance to go golfing Monday. $350 a person to play in this golf tournament. Yeah, it's a fundraiser for the Wilds. Are you familiar with Wilds in North Carolina? It's a Christian camp. It's a, it's a, it's a great ministry, I think. Some of you may have heard of it, but they do this fundraiser. They had two tournaments going on. They raised over $100,000 with these two tournaments. And, uh, the, and it ain't just by charging $350 a person. That's part of it. But they get all the sponsorships and stuff. I didn't have to pay. The guy, he, the guy said, hey, bring three preachers with you, and I'll, I'll let, let you have a, a team in there. So we didn't have to pay anything. The idea is next year I get Brent to go with me, and Brent pays $350 to go play golf, <laughs> and, and two others that want to pay. Now, it's not $350 a team. It's $350 a person. So anyway, we were, we're, that is all free. So we're, we're out there, and I'm talking with this guy, and he, he went to a church. He took this church up in Anderson, Indiana, which was about 30 minutes north of where we were when we were in Indiana. And uh, he's been there six or seven years now. And, but he was talking about some of the issues, and he was changing the music. They went from very high church, very formal worship, and, and he's brought in. He said, man, we do Chris Tomlin. We do, we do different things. He said, I'm not concerned about who wrote it or who performed it if it's theologically sound and it glorifies God. I said, amen, brother. That's, that's, the, that's the way. But he had this one lady. He said, I had this one lady. She just kept, man, everything. She was wearing me out about this, wearing me out about that, wearing me out about this. Finally, she came to me and she said, you know, pastor, I've come to understand something. I'm not going to stand before God and answer for that. But you are. And since you are, I need to shut up and let you, let you deal with it. And that was kind of her, her attitude. Now, I don't think that, I'm not saying if you've got a problem with something, just shut up and deal with it. No, that's not, that's not the approach. But you also got to understand that as leaders of the church, the burden that we're under, when we make decisions, we understand I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give account to everything I've done for the last five and three quarter years. I'm going to stand before the Lord and give account for it. And, and so, no, we, we, we take it very serious when we, we do things. But we're going to see in a moment we're congregational. It's not dictator. I'm, I don't dictate what we do. Our elder council doesn't dictate what we do. We may lead and say this is, this is something we need to do um, and this is the direction we need to go. If we're going to spend $10,000, church, are you for it or not? If you're not, then you just said, no, we're not for it. All right, let's back up and punt. Make sense? We'll get there. So Christ is the head. I'm the under-shepherd. Our elders are, are under-shepherds of the Lord. We are subordinate to the chief shepherd, Christ himself. That comes from 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, 
you will receive the crown for glory that does not fade away. So the chief shepherd is the Lord. In practical terms, this means that Baptist churches do not recognize any human authority outside of the local church with its pastor or pastors leading the church in concert with the majority agreement of the people in the congregation. Baptists believe that no pope, bishop, denominational board, or hierarchy, or any other human leader outside the local flock has any authority over the affairs of that church. Christ alone has the preeminence in the Baptist church. And that's where we're at. That's what we believe. And, and, and so how do we hear from the Lord? Through the Word. Uh, we don't, I, I don't get in the prayer closet and go, you know, when the Lord speaks to me and I hear His voice audibly, then that's when we'll move. No, no, no. He speaks to us through His Word. Get that. We, he speaks to us through His Word. That's how He, he, he directs us and guides us. And so... Um, we're going to follow Him. And we spend time praying. We talk to Him. We share our heart. We share our concerns. We, we, bring, we give thanksgiving. We bring our petitions to Him. Lord, I need, I need help with this. I remember Jeff Appling at, at the church we were at in, in Georgia when I first went into ministry. He went to this little church out in the middle of nowhere. You think this is in the country? That church, there were more cows than people in that, in that part of the county. When I went on staff, there were 1,100 people. We had people coming from 14 counties in northeast Georgia, and they're not tiny counties. We had people coming on Sunday morning from 14 counties. On the 200th anniversary of the church, there were 2,000, I think it was about 2,400 people on campus. But God gave him a vision, he felt like, when, when they were running 120 people, to have 2,000 people there on the 200th anniversary of the church. Now, that's a crazy thing to even think. Who's, who would think out in the middle of nowhere when you got 135 people showing up for church that you can have 2,000 another 10, 12 years down the road? And did. And did. So it, it was crazy. But he would tell the story where he would be in his office praying and they would have a financial need and he'd be in his office and he had a prayer closet set up and he'd be in his office just praying, just, God, you got to, you got to, we, we, we can't go another step, Lord, without you. Somebody knock on the door. The house he was in was right next to the church. Somebody knock on the door and it'd be a check for the exact amount they needed. You know what? You get on your face and you talk to God. You share your heart and then you get in the Word and say, Lord, we want to keep doing what you told us to do. We're going to be faithful to what you told us to do. We're not going to do anything you didn't tell us to do. We're going to do what you said to do exactly like you said to do it. That's what we want to do. That's our heart. And we seek the Word. We find the answers from the Word. Christ is the head. He's going to, he's going to direct us. So forms of church polity. P-O-L-I-T-Y, forms of church polity. And polity simply means form of government. So when you hear that phrase, polity, it's just the government. How is, how, everything has a form of government. Every kind of organization has to be governed a certain way. And it is related to the word politics, and it refers to the way an organization, in this case a church, is governed. We have, found, we have laid the foundation that a Baptist church has one head, that's Christ, yet there's more to learn about the, uh, about the way a New Testament church, a Baptist church, is governed. We're going to learn more about that. So let's first consider a few forms of church government that are in use today, but don't follow the, the form of government set forth in Scripture. Now, the first one would be this. It's the hierarchical 
or slash Episcopal. So the hierarchical or Episcopal model of church government essentially follows a top-down structure of human leaders that exercise to various degrees authority and control over the local congregations or parishes in their respective denominational structure. The name comes from the Greek word bishop, and that word is episkopos, which literally means overseer. So when it talks about overseers, so they've taken that now, bishop, and they've created these overseers who then oversee the church and churches, multiples, not just, in a, not just a head in a church, a leader in a church, but a whole structure of overseeing the, the, the churches in that denomination. Then you have uh, what is, there is, uh, you'll see, I think it's there in your notes, I think I left this in there. There is the papal, P-A-P-A-L, the papal form of hierarchical control, which is practiced by the Roman Catholic Church. Now, in this system, the hierarchy begins with the Pope of Rome, then cascades down the pyramid of authority from cardinals to archbishops to bishops to individual parish priests to deacons at the local congregational level. The Roman Church uses this central governing structure to exercise ultimate authoritarian control over every Catholic church on earth. So when you talk about the Catholic church, you're talking about the entire, the, the entire thing of every church in the world that's a Catholic church. They are, every single one of them, answer to someone up the line and up the line, up the line, ultimately to the, to the Pope. So the Pope is, he's the voice of God on earth, according to them. A less strict form of hierarchical policy, uh, polity is followed by Eastern Orthodox, Coptic, Anglican, which is the Church of England, Methodists, including their offshoots in holiness churches and assemblies of God, some Lutheran and, and, and naturally Episcopal churches. The authority of church governments in this hierarchy polity generally rests with the bishops and an archbishop in the case of Anglican and Episcopal churches. And I, you, you could think of the example being, this would be something you'd all be aware of, the Archbishop of Canterbury. We've all heard that, that phrase, that, that title. So the Archbishop of Canterbury would be that type of hierarchy in that. So in short, the bishops exercise oversight of the local pastors, rectors, or parish priests who in turn lead the individual con congregations under the overall authority of the bishops. Despite some perceived strengths to this polity, such as exerting control over perceived false teaching or exp expediting decision-making, uh, this form of government is not supported by the New Testament. So some would say, well, that's just a better way to do, to do the, the polity of the church, the government. Because then if, there's, you know, then if there's some bad teaching, it's just easy to fix. We've just got authoritarian rule. You know who else likes that authoritarian rule? The communists, absolutely. The communists love that. Uh, in fact, I heard a lot of our communist friends in America who just raved about how uh, wonderful it was in China that, that they could just control how everything was handled with COVID. It's wonderful. You know, it's wonderful. You can quickly build little uh, prisons and lock people in and weld them in their houses. That's that authoritarian control. Man, it's just wonderful because you can take away people's freedom and you can just, man, you can just do it the way you want to do it. Authoritarian control. Uh, someone else that really likes that is, is Satan. That's where it all comes from. Wants to have that absolute control. So then when he says, worship me, then, then there's no question you're to worship me. That's the, the authoritarian control. Folks, that's coming. If we don't watch it, it's coming here and it's coming quickly. 
We're full of communists. God-hating, Satan-loving communists in our country. Preacher, you're getting into politics. No, I ain't. That's biblical truth. That's biblical truth. The folks who don't like me saying it are the ones that are doing it. There's no biblical example of a bishop exercising control over a group of churches or over individual elders or pastors. Instead, elders and bishops are synonymous in New Testament usage. So when we talk about elders, bishops, those words, the pastor, elder, bishop, overseer, episcopos, all those words, that, that, that are, those three, three words are the same same words for that leadership position. It's the, it's the elders of the church, okay? Um, furthermore, the hierarchical model sets a clear line of separation between clergy and laymen, another concept incongruent with New Testament practices. You know, I, I'm the pastor. I'm, I, y'all have called me to be your pastor. So I have, a, I have some spiritual authority, but I don't have a dictator authority. And, and I'm not different from you. I mean, when I think when I, what I just read... In some of these things, you think, they're, they're, you think the shepherd would go eat with the lowly people? Man, some of them guys won't even walk out of the back room with their fancy robes on until everybody's seated and it's just right and the right music plays and they come out and all this ornate stuff. And they won't, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not mingling with people. They're not, they see themselves different. I don't, I don't see myself different from you. I have a different calling. You all have a calling. If you are saved, God has, has called you to do something. There's, there's, a, there's something for you to do. I hope you're doing it. If you're not doing it, you need to find out what it is and do it. He's, he's called you all for that. He's called, you know, and, and up until five and a half years ago, I had not pastored. I was not a pastor. I was, I was serving in the church. So I don't, I don't see myself, I don't see myself like this. You little people. I love my lower, lowly people out there. No, it's not that. And our church should never be that way. It's not a Baptist, it's not the, that's not how Baptists do that. That's the hierarchical Episcopal model. Then there's the Presbyterianism. The Presbyterian polity comes from the Greek word elder, which is presbyteros. So you've got episkopos, um, you got presbyteros. Those are the Greek words. And so from presbyteros, we get the word elder. It is obvious that Presbyterian churches follow this model, but it is also followed by many Reformed churches and some Lutheran churches. This system could be called a representative type of church government. In this view, members of the church elect elders, including the pastor, also an elder, to a session or what they call a board of elders. Now, the elders of the session then rule the congregation, making decisions on their behalf. Some elders also being to a higher, belong to a higher board called a presbytery, which governs a group of churches, often in a, a specific geographic area. So not only do they, they, they elect those who rule in the church, they rule in the church. You saw the word there. They didn't lead. They don't shepherd. They rule in the church. And they also then would elect those elders who would then oversee other churches. So it's again, it's a hierarchical model, but it's the Presbyterian, the Presbyterianism. In some cases, Presbyterian-style denominations also elect their elders to serve in a synod, which provides care and oversight of several presbyteries. 
In addition, there's often a general assembly that provides administration of the entire denomination. In summary, under Presbyterian polity, elders are chosen to both rule the churches and the denomination to which the churches belong. So as we search the New Testament for guidance, we see how this form of church government also fails to take a careful look at the biblical model of church leadership. Number one, most churches that adopt a Presbyterian polity make distinctions in the role of an elder, recognizing teaching elders who teach and preach, uh, usually the pastors of the churches, and ruling elders who conduct leadership business and administrative affairs. This is a difference not supported by the New Testament and has the potential for uh, men not meeting the qualifications of a biblical elder making spiritual decisions for the church. So the question as I read that might be, well, we're doing that, right? We have elders and, and our elders rule. Well, we don't really rule. We lead. We lead with direction. We, treat, we lead with spiritual guidance. Um, we have three elders, teaching elders. Part of the qualification of an elder, a big difference between an elder and a deacon is elders teach. A deacon can teach, but it's not a requirement that a deacon can teach. It's not a requirement that they are apt to teach. I hope they would be able to, but it's not a requirement. Elders would have to be that. So what we're talking about, some of that model is they got elders. They have like two separate classes of elders. They have the teaching elders. It's like the model we have here. But they also have elders that would be the ruling elders. They're the administrators which is not a biblical model. That's not the, there's not set aside. So what happens then is you have men who are not qualified as an elder that are in elder positions making elder decisions for the church. Does that make sense? Let me tell you what that looks like if you want to get into Baptist churches. The Baptist churches do some bad, bad polity as well. A lot of Baptist churches have deacon boards that are running the churches. It's no different. In fact, what they're doing is they're, they're saying the deacons are functioning as elders in most of them. They're functioning as though they're elders. And yet most of them, a lot of, well, I ain't going to say most of them. Many times they're not qualified. They would not qualify as an elder. Here's another thing that, that happens in those churches that are deacon run, which is uh, unscriptural, period. Deacons, nowhere are deacons to rule or lead the church. They are servants. That's the role of a deacon. Um, but what will happen is, you get, you know, we need, we're going to build a building in a couple of years. And, you know, Joe over there, I know he, there's rumor he runs around his wife and, and he's a hard drinker. But, man, we really ought to get him on the deacon board because he can help us get our bank loan. That, that, you, you, we laugh. And it's a, it's a hopefully it's a, an unsettling laugh. But it's like, uh, because it's the truth. That's, that happens. And it happens way too much. And you have churches where the deacons are, are ruling the church. And, and many churches function with their deacons like their elders. And I'd say, well, just ordain them if they're qualified, ordain them as elders to help lead the church. And you get some servants as deacons. And that would be a simple fix to that. So if you have questions as we go through this, I want to answer them. So if you got any asks, so we're, I'm going to get, I got four more points and I'll have to stop and we'll pick up next week. Um, number two, the New Testament has no example of elders ruling over other churches, only their own church. Uh, number three, this polity to a great degree takes away the voice of the congregation in determining the direction of the church because the session makes decisions on behalf of the congregation. It's very representative. Almost feels like our, our, the way our government is set up. 
We vote. We send a politician to New York they don't, or, or Washington. They don't do anything we, we would want them to do. And they say they're their representatives. But we don't have any voice at that point. Our voice was in voting them and sending them. And then they get to make the decisions. And they go up there and do all their crooked politics and get filthy rich. And, and, and I love politicians, so just so you know. Um, even at the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15, which is often used as a proof text for Presbyterianism, the whole church played a role in the ultimate decisions made even when Christ's apostles were still alive. So the apostles were still alive when those decisions were made in Acts 15. The whole church was involved with that. It wasn't just a, a, a one-person decision. Number four, uh, we note again that the New Testament makes no distinction between elder and pastor as well as bishop, and so they should not be given separate roles in the Christian church. You shouldn't have you shouldn't have the governing body elder and you shouldn't versus the the pastor elders the ones who are apt to teach and leading spiritually okay all right so we'll stop right there we'll get into what we are congregationalism we'll we'll get into that next week any questions We've got 